Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kierens, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our best to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. It is very exciting to say this is our 35th episode. Holy shit. That's definitely 35 more episodes than we thought would be possible, but thanks to you and your support and all the positive feedback that we received from the craft beer community, we are rocking and rolling. It's definitely exciting for me to be able to say that this week's episode features the one and only Carl Grandin. We spoke with him in Sweden. It was really nice for us to go international once again. We really like that this is branching out worldwide. Carl's up there in the North Pole, and he was checking in, and it was really a great experience to speak with him. When we started doing it, as we've mentioned several times, when the idea came up, you know, I got a bunch of notebooks out and wrote down a lot of artists and breweries that we wanted to try to connect with, and Omnipolio is right up there at the top of that list. So we make an ongoing bucket list. We keep it going. We're working to cross off a few more of those artists. Some of the artists are a little harder to get in touch with, but we're definitely uh, consistent and stubborn, and we'll uh, make that happen. I'm looking at you, Colin, at Prairie. And it's exciting. We really like what you know Carl and Hanag are doing. We love the idea of the Gypsy Brewing. It was a real pleasure, you know, without spoiling what's uh, forthcoming, you know, learn about their history, to learn about how Carl got started drawing, the social commentary, which we talk about, of the imagery, you know, what they're trying to do and how they're just trying to, you know, change beer. It's a big undertaking, but they've been extremely successful. And I know that personally it's much easier or more frequent for me to be able to get a lot more, you know, of their beers. So I'm definitely, definitely not complaining about that. And in Connecticut, we've been really blessed recently uh, with a new kind of beer project, that 12% beer project. And I know that they're really excited and we'll give them a little kind of uh, shout out this weekend when an episode drops. It'll come out on November 17th. They're just announcing their new home. They will be at Thimble Island in Brantford, Connecticut. So that's really exciting. I know they were making beers such as Amagamnon, you know, available, which I had and was, you know, amazing. I am a sucker for a good uh, maple stout. And so that was just, uh, you know, above and beyond. And so they have a lot of amazing beers on tap this weekend. And so, you know, some of those have been the Omnipolio beers. And we're really uh, hoping that that trend continues here. So it really is just coming, you know, full circle for me. Because not only are they a distributor, but they're a brewer. So they're doing their own stuff. They're bringing beers from Evil Twin, Stillwater Artisanal, Omnipolio, as we mentioned, Decadent. Really great stuff. I'm local, so it's even better. So definitely, definitely excited for that. Also this weekend, you know, if we're going to plug a little bit, you know, yours truly's birthday is this Saturday the 18th. So if you're looking to get me something for my birthday, you know, look no further. A retweet, a share, maybe introduce a friend to the podcast. It really helps. We do appreciate all of the reviews and feedback that we received on iTunes so far. We're growing each week organically. We're building a community that you are a part of, and we are excited. If it's your first time joining us, we thank you. We welcome you. We don't bite. 
Make sure to check us out via the World Wide Web's 16ozcanvas.com. You can find us by those same handles on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you're, wherever you are, we'll be there with you. So once again, we thank you. We're really excited to share episode number 35, 35 with our good friend. I think we're becoming friends. Maybe. Carl, if we're not becoming good friends, don't don't write back and tell me that. Just just be really nice to me. But the one and only Mr. Carl Grandin of Omnipolio, right here on this 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited with me uh, today, we have Carl Grandin who's joining us from Sweden. Uh, you may know of Carl's work from Omnipolio. And so I just wanted to thank you, Carl, for, for joining us today. We're very excited to have you from, uh, as we were saying before, uh, the North Pole, so to speak. But now you're checking in from Sweden, so it's much uh, much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Now, uh, really, yeah, one of the reasons we're, you know, when we started doing this, you know, we kind of make a list of artists that, you know, you just really admire and would love to learn more about. Uh, I don't have an art background, but I just know what I think is beautiful and what really stands to me and, and speaks to me. And so I've always just been kind of drawn towards, you know, your labels and, you know, thanks to the wonderful world of uh, distribution, we do get a large amount of the Omnipolio work uh, here in the States. So we're we're pretty spoiled in that way, and uh, so I just really wanted to thank you once again for for being here today and you know taking time to to speak with me. Mm, thank you. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it's lovely. I mean the 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 shelf. I mean before it used to. I remember when I first started really getting into craft beer that probably you know early 2000 you know 10 decade you know maybe 13 and 14 there would be always a few bottles, but now they seem to be. Uh, popping up all over the place so it's been really like i said we're, we're a little spoiled with that so i'm more than happy to be spoiled so so carl you're part of a you know a two-man operation at omnipolio and you're the you know the art and the the visionary uh, of, of the two how did and you have a you know a art background how did you kind of get into art i mean i would just like to get into it like kind of you know learn about, you know, how you started, you know, your, your vision and kind of where, you know, kind of see where it takes us. So how did, you know, Carl get into art and design and imagery? Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think, I mean, images has always been really important to me. And, and when I was a kid, I read, uh, I read comic books like all day and all night long. And uh, I think um, like Marvel comics was super important to me growing up. Um, Robert Crumb as well, like all these comic book artists uh, really like shaped my world, you know, in a sense. Um, so that was, and of course I had to start making my own comics, probably like at the age of like five or something. <laughs> and I always had this urge to try and, and create things myself. You know, I started liking something and then I just want to like dive into it and, you know, absorb it and, you know, become one with it. And I, I think, um, you know, I just kept on making my own stuff and it, I, I hopefully it became you know, better and better over time. And um, I started thinking about, you know, ma making a living off it because it, that was like, it seemed like something that I could actually do, you know, making drawings and stuff. But illustration seemed, I don't know, a bit 
uh, I wasn't really tempted in, in just, you know, started making, starting to make illustrations for magazines and stuff. And art just, I mean, that was just, uh, in my mind, that was just like an impossible dream somewhere. And then I thought, like, maybe like this graphic design thing could be, you know, making letters and moving things around and, you know, making designs for books and stuff. So that's, that's actually where I started. I, I mean, I, start, I started making designs for graphic design for fanzines and, you know, flyers and posters and stuff for gigs and clubs around in Stockholm. So that's how I started out. And then it slowly, you know, turned into something else, uh, which is more sort of autonomous art and uh, the kind of stuff that I do now. Yeah, I, one of the common themes I found a lot of folks, like comic books resonate, I think, with a lot of people, I think, especially as children. Mm-hmm. So that's one I've always, if you were kind of to plot some of the common themes that I, I was kind of blown away by. I mean, I kind of, yeah, I, but I mean, I, my, see myself, I dabbled into a comic book period too. So I, it's really been, it's really been interesting, I think, to, to, to really look at that. And it has, it's actually had me kind of following along or finding more interest in comic book, especially with social media, to see the early sketches and see, you know, all the intimate work that goes into making those comic books. It's been really, it's been really eye-opening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who knows? So the comic books, right? Your parents tell you you're reading comic books and you're, you know, you're wasting your, wasting your allowance and there you go. It's uh, all these great artists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I still read a lot of comic books, uh, not with the same sort of obsession that I used to, um, but but I, I still buy some every now and then. I mean, there's so much great stuff around. I think my, my uh, one of my favorite uh, my favorite comics is Frank by Jim Woodring, and that's something I can keep going back to, you know, and uh, find inspiration in. It's, it's, it's that's what I read for. Uh, for my kid as well. I mean, there's not a lot of text in it, but uh, that's what I show my kid, trying to get him into comic books as well. Oh, excellent. Now, how old is your son? He's uh, five, he's six in about two weeks. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I have uh, two boys. I have uh, seven is the oldest, and my youngest will be uh, four in a couple weeks. So it's... uh, Bring them over to Stockholm. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're already uh, planning the trip. I would love it. Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, we've taken them a few places and... They keep asking when we're going to go, you know, no, no point intended with our, our current climate here, but when can we leave the country? You know, I think they want to come back at some point, but uh, it's been a little crazy over here. Yeah. Well, excellent. So as a, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the, the Omnipolio brand, you know, how did, how did that come to come to be? Because what I, one of the things I've taken away from it, and it's a little more common these days, but is you guys are kind of one of the, early pioneers of like of gypsy brewing which we, that, that even probably didn't have a name back when you were doing it really the mm-hmm. idea of you know the that expansion and kind of which is i think goes great with your art you know and the fact that we can actually get more of it here in the states is that there wasn't a you know a physical on the on the polio you know brewery that you went to and it was kind of they kind of had a social dynamic to the to the process yeah I mean, I think when we started out, the, the only brand we knew that had sort of a similar setup was Mikeller, uh, the, the Danish uh, brewers Mikeller. Um, so they were like, they didn't own their own brewing facility. They didn't own their brewery, but they were still making uh, interesting beers. Um, and at the time, I mean, to us, they were making the, the, like, the most interesting beers out there. Uh, and I think in a, in a sense, 
you know, I, th- I think Hanok, the uh, Omnipoise Brewer, I think he was inspired by um, uh, by them. But I think I think the idea to to create something uh, somewhere else, like not opening up a brewery or building a brewery, but actually going to a, um, an existing brewery and, and making a beer, I think that was an idea that he's been you know thinking about for a few years or so. And and he was a home brewer, and then he moved to. He spent a year or so in, in uh, Belgium, and that's how he got in contact with the the first brewery that he started collaborating with. Uh, and and I actually, actually I didn't know Hanok at the time, um, but I I've heard a lot about him from a, a mutual friend of ours, and she she was an art or she is an art curator, so I knew her from the sort of the art scene here in Stockholm, uh, and she was going on and on about this amazing dude Hanok. Uh, that was working on this amazing dream beer, um, and it, it sounded really interesting. And she said that I should I should meet him, and she thought that we should you know, develop the project together somehow. So when he came back to Stockholm, um, uh, and then he had, he had the idea of releasing a beer commercially, like, like actually making a beer that people could buy. Um, he contacted me, and we met up and. Uh, you know, we became really good friends instantly, more or less instantly. Um, that's how it started, and that was that was about seven years ago. So you, you're perfectly right. It's, I mean, there was there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, gypsy brewing going on back then. But I mean, we we knew that we weren't, you know, we're not engineers, and we're not we, we weren't interested in necessarily like building uh, a place where we could, you know, brew beer. Uh, but we had a lot of dreams and visions and ideas of what to do. Um, what we thought that what we wanted beer to turn into, so to speak, like we wanted, uh, we were in love with beer and like the idea of it, but um, it wasn't in a place where we wanted it to be. Like we wanted it to move somewhere else. You know, we wanted to change the perception of beer uh, and, and just, you know, expand it and see what it could be. Uh, and that's, I think that was one of the things that, um, made me and Hanok really connect. You know, I wanted to make it look and feel and smell in a different way, and he wanted to, you know, taste and, uh, and you know, we would both want to change the feeling of what beer could be. And I think that I think you, I think that you've done that. I think that there's a distinction. I think that it's unique, and there's some of the even the styles that are offered. And even the breweries that you mm-hmm. collaborate with, I think that the collaborations are with other, you know, like-minded individuals. You know, I know that a lot of the work that you is done with, you know, tired hands you know, near my hometown, you know, mm-hmm. outside of Philadelphia. You know, I think they have a definitely are trying to change the perception of beer. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's really, it's really smart. And especially at that time, it was, it was kind of unheard of to, to do what you're doing, especially for the labels, you know, I think they're, they're really distinct and they're actually what we've been kind of describing them as they're almost, you know, each bottle or each can is, you know, its own little art show. I mean, and I think you've taken that, you know, coming from the art world and you've actually, you know, to, you know, pun intended with the the name of the podcast, but you've, you know, you've made those, you know, those bottles and those cans, the canvases of your art. And it's really makes it a little bit harder to, after you finish one of them to, to throw it away because they are so, yeah, 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 yeah. You should. I mean, I'm I'm always happy when I see one, someone like sticking a flower into an old empty uh, bottle or something. But uh, I mean, when I when I met Hammock and you know even before 
we uh, made our first beer. Um, we just, you know, we went to some local pubs that had, you know, a few different craft beer type beers, you know, on uh, on bottles and cans. And we were just like checking out what was out there. And, and of course, being like seven, eight years ago and here in Stockholm, uh, like far up north in Scandinavia, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, amazing American stuff. I mean, nowadays there's a lot of good stuff around, but at that time it was easier to get a hold, get a hold of uh, good Belgian stuff. And just, you know, just going through the bottles and seeing uh, what was out there. I mean, a, a lot of amazing tasting stuff, a lot of amazing smelling stuff, but visually it was, it was so backwards and weird. I mean, I kind of liked it because it was this fancy type of, uh, you know, weirdo look to the whole thing. <laughs> like when you went through the bottles, there were like a few, I don't know, like some, some crazy sort of fantasy, uh, like bad drawings of weird characters and stuff. But, you know, it, it really looked uh, sort of amateurish uh, in a funny, but also kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I thought it, it could be um, it could be a little bit more interesting, honestly. So, uh, and even, you know, looking at what was around in the U.S. at the time, uh, I thought it was quite, it felt quite limited. It, it felt like it was, you know, everything had to look sort of the same. It was very... Um, um, it, it was like, you know, we, we wanted to add another language, so to speak. I wanted to add another, some, some new layer to it. Um, and, and visually, I just felt like, um, you know, there's no boundaries. I mean, I can do whatever I want to because, like, the, the graphic expression at that time was just super limited. Uh, so I just felt very free when I started making uh, the labels for Omnipoyo, and uh, I just felt that I could do whatever I wanted to. And um, of course, people freaked out in the beginning because we didn't have any, like we didn't have the name of the beer on the front of the uh, of the bottle and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, people people learn quickly <laughs> that you can like turn the bottle around and read the, the name of the beer on the back. And, uh, you know, being a, a super small brand like we were back then, um, our beers were only available in a, in, you know, in a few bars. And... Uh, it was more interesting hearing people say, "Hey, what, what's that bottle over there? Like the one with the keyhole on it?" Rather than saying the name of it, you know. So uh, I think I think like the decisions like that like also added something to, um, you know, it it, it is sparked imagination in a way. Yeah, and I, I think that that I think from a branding or label perspective, when I think that's the that's a hard decision for a lot of folks to make exactly what you said of, well, it doesn't have our name on it. It doesn't say what it is. It's not these big, you know, large font pieces, you know? And I think mm-hmm. those, those breweries, you know, and it's been interesting because there is a, that is another pivot point is that, and I think I was, we spoke to one of the you know, artists who work with tired hands and they kind of said, well, the idea is that you already at the brewery, you already know, you know, you already know that you want to drink tired hands. You don't need to have it be in, you know, 48 point font, you know, so to speak. And so it's saying like, you know, like a neon sign on the can, you know, you're already there. So it allows you, you kind of already leave that, that barrier behind. And I think that, you know, you see that, you see different, different breweries taking that, you know, taking that step. And I think it's kind of hard for somebody mm-hmm. maybe who doesn't have an art background or is kind of coming from a seeing that the product is also a branding opportunity. So I think that's a hard, 
hard decision for folks to make, but I, I mean, that was a, I think that was one of the smartest decisions that you guys made right from the get go. It was, it was more than just a label to sell a product. It was a, a form of expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, even the first, the very first time I met Hanok and we started talking about his, his ideas for the beers and, um, you know, how he, uh, perceived the omnipolio of like the near future like what type of beers he wanted to make and you know how he wanted to um, like run the business we didn't really talk about beer or or business we were talking about art and like music and record labels uh, and that, that was the st- stuff that inspired us um you know when, when you're like a huge fan of a record label and you just want to buy everything that that they release and sometimes there's you know there's the occasional like bad a single that comes out, like you don't like it, but then you like listen to it again and again and again, and you try to understand it because you love that Rick label, you know. Uh, and we wanted to create something like that, something that wasn't, I mean, not necessarily iconic, which is something that was that meant something to people, something that, uh, um, you know, something that was personal and something that people could actually uh, sort of be part of. Uh, because because we, we wanted to make something that we could relate to. We weren't interested in. Uh, in making something that was like something else, we wanted to create something that that wasn't like anything else, you know. Well, I think that um, you know, mission accomplished, and it's still you know, it's still an evolving you know process. But I think that I, well, the record thing resonates with me too, right? You find a brand band that you really like, you know, you're maybe you're late to the game, you're three albums in, and then you go back and you try to find everything that they've ever done, and kind of then you just have this like epiphany where you just sit there and really see where, you know, the whole, the whole lineage or how they got from point A to, you know, the current state. And that's usually my favorite because you find records that you're like, wow, I thought this was their best thing ever. And, you know, this, this, this first album yeah. made, made in their basement is the best thing ever. Why isn't this the one that like broke through? And so it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting what you said about uh, Tired Hands, for example, and, or, or any brewery. I mean, I love Tired Hands. And it makes perfect sense, you know, when you're at a brewery and you buy that brewery's beer uh, out of their like tap room. I mean, it doesn't have to scream Tired Hands or you know the name of that brewery uh, all over the container of that beverage. But and to us, in a way, it's the exact opposite. We we run a bar here in Stockholm, but we and that's sort of our, our window in a way, uh, like our flagship place. Uh, but we don't, since we don't own a brewery, we don't we don't run our own brewing facility. Uh, we are in a way the opposite. Our beers will be, you know, everywhere, but it will never be in our own brewery. So, um, and our, our plan is to make beer locally. So, like the stuff that we brew in, uh, say, uh, east coast of the U.S., that's where we want to sell that beer. So we want the beer to be. Uh, as local as possible, even though we're, we might be on the other side of the planet. I mean, Henoch recently moved to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. So he's down there in Africa. Uh, and that's where he's writing the recipes and, you know, uh, running part of Omnipoyo. And I'm uh, up here in, in Sweden um, making the designs. And we brew beer in, you know, a lot of different countries in uh, in Europe. We brew uh, in a few different places in the U.S. and we brew in uh, Brazil as well, hopefully in Africa soon as well. So I mean, we we are the, um, in a sense, um, you know, our beers will always be somewhere else. Um, 
and they would be in uh, cans. They would be in different types of formats. You know, we had like the Belgian type of bottles. We have a, a bunch of different American uh, formats. Um, there's a there's a special type of cam in Brazil, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I get to work with the silk screen printed bottles and labels. I get to work with uh, you know very simple printing facilities in some other places. And you know I have all these different types of formats to work with. So our our um, um, our our opportunities is, is constantly changing. So I thought it would, I, I think it's interesting to. Um, see how far you can push it you know like if, if an image like most of our bottles and cans have like a simple image on the front and like some text on the back uh, and i think it's interesting to push that format and see like how far you can take it like is it, is it enough will people still recognize that it's an omnipoyo beer and so far i i, I think so you know we've done about a hundred beers and uh they're a um, funny, quirky, funny kind of um, family together. Yeah, and that was one of the things I was going to ask about. I mean, a, a good amount of the the imagery, you know, the imagery, especially you know the uh, you know the Biancas, um, you know the the ice cream pies. Uh, also, uh, Fatimore uh, Ghana, which is probably one of my my favorites, and you know. Mazarin, you know, they're all printed right on the on the bottle, which I think is really you don't really see that a lot, especially on on, on the bottle and from a printing standpoint. So I, I think that that just adds another dimension, you know, to it. Mm-hmm. Now, is that yeah, it's it's nice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, it has a it has a feel to it. I mean, you really like the bottle. It's not just you know. It really it's a like I said. It's it makes it a little harder. So I'll take your advice on the 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 flower in the bottle. You know, give it a couple extra. <laughs> <laughs> couple extra lives which is which is great um but is that because you're all over the world with with the, the brewing and the releases is has that proven you know difficult or exciting in a way to have to deal with the different printing techniques or uh, opportunities to keep it as local as possible um i mean it, it is challenging because we have to uh, i mean i work with a lot of different printing facilities and a lot of different people and um you know, every place I work with is different, and just trying to keep that um, keep the quality level high. Uh, it, it is challenging. I mean, it, 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 we put a lot of work into it. Um, um, I, I hired an assistant a few months back, and uh, you know that makes it a little bit easier. Um, but you know, just keeping track of all the different labels and stuff is. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's um, it's a lot of work. But also, I think it's fun. I mean, I, I, I like it. I like the challenge, and I like the um, um, I like the diversity. If we would only be working with one printer or you know one printing technique, um, it would be less. I don't know. I would be um, you know I would enjoy it less. I think, and I, I think the fact that we are forced to change the formats and uh, you know change material or printing technique or you know. Uh, what type of the, the packaging? Um, it keeps it, it keeps it exciting and interesting. Um, and and I have to keep you know I have to to work with the graphics and work with ideas and you know keep changing. I have to be on my toes all the time. So no, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, you're like an expert in yeah printing tech worldwide printing techniques. You're just kind of the standards across the world that you probably <laughs> never ne- you never thought of when you're getting into it. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I think I think it's it's mainly that I'm a pain in the ass. Like I, <laughs> uh, the truth I, comes out, Carl. The I, truth I, comes out. Yeah, no, but, but I think that's that is an important part of it. Like you know, um, I'm not. I just have to be very specific about like what I want to be like. You know, how I want it to turn out. Like how I want the colors and stuff like that. I mean, I do have a. Um, uh, like my palette, like my, my colors, the colors that I use, I'm, I'm really specific about what I'm after. Um, and working with some printers, you know, some printers totally get it. They, they understand exactly what I'm after and, uh, you know, they, you know, they can totally achieve it. Um, and sometimes I have to, you know, we have to, uh, argue a little bit or, uh, you know, it's, it can be a struggle sometimes, <laughs> but most of the time it turns out good. Yeah, like I said, so far, so so far, so good. Now, do you are you multilinguistic? Do you speak other languages? Is that I mean that, that must be a barrier, also, right? And you're trying to be on every continent and trying. Is that is that proven to be difficult? Not, not, not really. I mean, I think my German is really bad, and we we did work with a German uh, printing facility for a while, and I, I mean we communicated in English, but uh, <laughs> I think I think their problem was more like they just didn't like to respond you know they didn't like to talk on the phone they didn't like responding to emails <laughs> so we we had to find somewhere else but i mean um you know there's, there's always challenges um and i'm and i'm i actually i think i think uh, hammock's part of the work like keeping track of uh, you know keeping contact with all the different brewers uh uh, all the people working in the breweries and the, you know all the collaborations because in a sense all our beers are collaborations you know whether it's our own beers or it's if it's like an official collaboration beer um, I mean that's that's way tougher than keeping track of a few uh, different printers right well you're both doing it for you know your area of expertise right you're both you know internationally uh, international relations there so you know definitely yeah uh, mm-hmm can get a little get a little tricky. And yeah, you're talking about the different styles and formats. There is the your your birthday beer which came in the the always classic uh 40 ounce bottle, which I think is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and that, yeah, and I think that one of the things I do while some of them which we can talk about have a underlying social commentary which I really admire, I definitely get the you know, on others that there's a kind of a lightheartedness or you're having fun with it. You know, I think the the most recent series kind of with evil twin and, you know, putting each other's, you know, faces on the, on the labels and, you know, the, the sketches, I think there's one with McKellar. So I just definitely get the impression that, you know, there's a, there's a good sense of humor. And I think that to be doing this and, you know, having friends all around the world, I think it's really, I think it really resonates. So. Yeah. I mean, those the the even twin labels actually I didn't have anything to do with those so those, those were a, a complete surprise to me. Uh, so that that artwork is done by um, by uh, Evil Twins designer, uh, and the the one the Kelly collaboration that's actually the artwork is actually done by Hammock and Mikkel. So um, uh, so it was actually like a reverse collaboration. So. Um, me and Keith, Keith Shore, the designer of uh, McKellar, like we, we wrote the recipe for that beer and then uh, Mikkel and Hammock did the illustrations for it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to get Keith on here, so that's good to know. We'll definitely uh, track him down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And like I said, there's 
you know, there's definitely some you know, social commentary. I think that probably the most one that stands out to most folks, and I think even just in terms of the packaging, it's very unique. Is is the yellow belly, and I think that you know, you know, in my opinion, now more than ever, at least in, in the United States, I think that you know there is an unfortunate. You know, conversation. You know, there's an unfortunate reality, and I think there are some good conversations that are coming from that. But I do think that you know, when you first when someone first looks at that bottle, they might be, I guess, close-minded and think, "Wow, I would this, you know, it looks like a Klansman, right?" And so I think that you have to mm-hmm. really take yeah. the you have, you have to want to learn and you want to have that conversation. I think you have to want to understand what what is going on there and why this is happening. And if you pick up the bottle. You're completely wrong right. on the reason, and I think that by just taking that chance, and to be honest, from a packaging standpoint, it doesn't make it any cheaper to wrap it in that, you know, paper with the holes in it. You know, it's definitely, especially with transport, and you know, it it, it makes it cost more for you to do that. But I mm-hmm. think that what you were doing there, I think, resonated, you know, with me personally. And I think a lot of people, you know, what you're trying to say there. Mm. I mean, to us, it was it was a very personal. Um that beer in general, either, you know, the actual beer, like what's inside the bottles as well. The, like that whole project was really uh, important and personal to us. It, it started out from a small sketch that I did in my in a sketchbook, uh, just a drawing of one of those, you know, uh, Belgian looking uh, paper wrapped beers. And I thought it was uh, interesting how those like two dots, or, uh, or in the case of Yellow Belly, the two holes, just turn that uh, wrapped bottle into a KKK uh, Klansman. Uh, and it made it look really, really scary. And um, this was a few years back, and it was during the EU elections, and we were really worried about how, what the outcome would be you know, with all these uh, right-wing uh, populist parties all over Europe, uh, and definitely in Sweden as well. You know, we, um, it's in, in more or less every country in Europe. So we were really worried about like what the, how that what that outcome would be. Um, and the exit polls uh, said, you know, it looked pretty good. Like it was, you know, people seemed to care more about the environment than uh, being like extreme right wing assholes, <laughs> according to the exit polls. So you know, things were looking pretty bright. And then. Uh, and then we saw the results from from uh, from all over Europe, but, but specifically from you know from the Swedish uh, part of that EU election. And uh, loads of people have voted for uh, an like extreme right wing populist party. And it just uh, I don't know, you know, it, 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 um, uh, it was extremely depressing to me and Hanok and other people involved in in Omnipoyo and you know to all our friends. It was a shock to us, and I, I just couldn't believe how. You know, the exit policy said one thing, like people had actually, you know, they didn't even uh, have the guts uh, to stand behind their like racist opinions. Um, uh, and that was that was shocking to us. That was like, a re- I mean, and that's when we came up with, um, with the concept of that yellow belly, you know, someone like hiding behind something. Uh, you know, it's it's you have all these like racist ideas, but you can't, you know, you don't really stand behind them. Uh, you can like ha- hide behind that uh, mask, and of course, the, the, like the the clansman uh, outfit, that that character is is extremely strong. It's something that people know about all over the world, and it's a very provocative thing. Uh, but I think art, you know, sometimes you need to with art, you need to be uh, a little bit provocative. You need to uh, you know shake things 
and uh, you know make a like a, take a stand and make a statement and i, I you know i'm 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 perfectly uh, I, I was aware of when, when designing that um, that packaging that people would you know some people would be offended some people wouldn't like it etc cetera, etc cetera. but i mean I created it as an opportunity to have, you know, discuss these issues with people and, uh, you know, to bring bring up the subject. I was uh, shocked by the outcome of that uh, election, and I wanted to like make it, you know, take a stand and, and you know, say something. And to me, I think like beer packaging is just like any other art expression. It's just that it's um, I'm happy enough to have, uh, you know. A bunch of bottles out there, and uh, there's like a, there's a crowd of people that are interested in the products, and they will look at the art, and they will uh, hopefully talk about it and uh, think about it. So yeah, that's that's my approach. Well, I, I thank you for that. You know, I think that one, you know, I think that some folks could just say, oh, like I think that's really the the weak or the default discussion sometimes is, oh, well, this is just beer, like. I don't want to talk, get my politics out of it, or this is just sports and get my politics out of it. And so I think that, mm-hmm. you know, while they, maybe they're not hiding behind a sheet, you know, I think folks avoid the awkward conversations, especially when it comes to things that deal with race, especially, you know, when it's a, when you're white or when you're the majority, you know, and to, to, you don't mm-hmm. want to, I think it helps people sleep better at night to, to avoid the conversation. And I think so that it's, it's much easier just to kind of, you know, keep your head down and not, not, bring up that discussion so i just <laughs> that one is, that one's always I mean, kind of stood, stood out to me is, is just being you know yeah. just a yeah I, i'm just i'm just glad i have the opportunity just to thank you i mean as close as a person as we'll be for today but you know i would love the opportunity to thank you in person but i just think that was that to me was one of the reasons i was you know drawn to to speak with you is i thought that that choice and that what you were standing for and you know, using this as a medium to to uh, initiated a conversation or change was really powerful mm-hmm. one. So thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. And I think, you know, in one end of the spectrum, so to speak, uh, it can be the yellow belly political statement. It's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of clear once you, you know, once you start thinking about it, uh, and it's a little bit shocking when you first see, you know, and like you said, maybe you're a little bit, you know, maybe you're not very used to looking at images or, you know, um, um, thinking about uh, issues from <laughs> from more than one angle and it can be it can be shocking, but I think there's so many comfortable things out there. I mean, there's so many things that are just you know just easy and uh, you know, like you don't have to think about it. And and with beer, more so, probably more so than uh, a lot of other like cultural expressions. And I think omnipoia doesn't have to be like like everything else like when people tell us like don't mix politics and beer uh, it doesn't make any sense to me because this is, this is our personal expressions and there's like you know there's a whole bunch of other beer brands out there and other breweries out there um, that tackle these subjects in, in different ways you know and they, they might avoid discussing politics or whatever uh, and if you're not comfortable with um, uh, a political statement on your beer, then maybe Omnipoyo isn't for you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mind excluding a little bit because this is, I mean, this is after all art. I mean, what's on the bottle and what's inside the bottle, it's an artistic expression. Um, 
first and foremost. That's the way I see it, at least. Yeah, I think good art has, you know, it's not, I think if everybody liked everything that was made by everybody, if there were no opinions, you know, I think even disliking of it sparks some emotion or feelings. And I think that's, that's, that's the power of art. And I think that these are little messages that, you know, travel around the world and you have the opportunity because there's not a physical one place that's being brewed, you know, brewing on the polio. And so you have the ability to kind of, you know, put your, it's almost like a, you know, a bottle, you know, with a little, little note in the ocean, and you know, it goes all the different parts of the world. And I think that's really, I think yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think it's great. Exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 I applaud you. So keep, keep those up. And there we have it, part one, Carl Grandin, sixteen ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Really great to get the opportunity to talk to Carl about Yellow Belly. Really, in my opinion, the social commentary, it's very obvious, but very smart, very necessary, but very risky, right? You're taking the chance. I'm probably even, you know, talking politics on the on this podcast might, you know, turn some people off. But fuck it. We got to do it. You can't to interview the artist. You can't plan where it's going to go. Like I said before, and we'll continue, and we have a shell of questions. We make sure we share them with the artists so we're not catching them off guard. This is not an expose or trying to throw a mic up in their face and you know ask them some really buzzworthy questions. We really like to kind of hunker down, get to know them as much as possible, and see where it takes us. So Yellow Belly was something we wanted to talk about and really happy that we had that opportunity. I really, really love his work. I'm on the fence of pulling the trigger on ordering one of the beautiful Fata Morgana prints. You know, that I see that every time. It makes me smile. I definitely pick it up whenever I see it in the stores and look forward to enjoying it as soon as possible. But hopefully you're enjoying this episode. See what I did there? Transitions. Another episode of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited that we were able to introduce or announce our full suite of artists that we're having, you know, coming up. You know, if you haven't saw the news release, check it out on the website, 160zcanvas.com, or on our Instagram where we try to get cool and artsy, little Max Toth style there. But we have Kim Kirby from the Young Athenians, Nicholas Fulmer, Matt Lunig, Colin McSherry, Sarah Headland, Earl Holloway, Dan Gridska, Steve McDonald, Magnificent Beard, Will Sears, Benjamin Neidhart, and Steve Raboyne. So we're really excited to have all those artists. You can check out more information about them, like I said, on the website. Links up to their websites and Instagrams and all that good stuff for you. We definitely do our best to promote and get the word out about these artists who are doing doing their damnedest. And one other thing we try to do is we try to get artists at different points in their career. You know, some artists are very well established some are up and comers and it's definitely really cool to see and learn about people's processes where they are in their career and their level of insight creativity you know inspiration and there's really no no telling where it's going to go and i think that hopefully you know, if you're a craft beer fan you're gonna love it you're holding that beer in your hand or you're in the store we've all bought a beer because of how it looks we've you know we judge the beer by its cover and sometimes it's really shitty 
but we're beer agnostic. We're making no judgments on what's inside the beer. But hopefully it's good. I really hope it's good. But And so if you're a craft beer lover, we've got something for you. If you're an artist, hopefully you're learning something new. If you're trying to, you know, fine-tune your craft and, you know, even the stuff about project management, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, whatever it is, I think there's something for everybody. And if you're a friend or family, you know, maybe you're just kind of uh, subscribing but not listening, you know, padding our stats. We do appreciate that, too. But it definitely, uh, as they say, you know, wines pair better with cheeses and stouts with this and that. You know, we pair well with long road trips, quality time. We're just trying to sit back and relax, and hopefully you're doing with a nice cold one. Or maybe you wanted a nice temperature, 50 degrees, maybe you have a nice loon. Whatever you're into, we're, we pair well with it. So we thank you once again. We have a lot more where this came from. Like I said, we're just getting started here. This is episode number 35. And we'll definitely put now at least 35 plus more taking us into next year. And who knows? We're going to figure out a way for all of us to get together and meet up in 3D and do it all over. So without further ado, we're going to get right back into the Carl Grand interview. But just for some administrative pieces, remember, you can check him out via Instagram, Carl Grandin, K-A-R-L, Grandin. G-R-A-N-D-I-N. You can also go to callgrandin.com, omnipolio.com, and omnipolio on the Instagram. So here we go. Part two, Call Grandin. Right here, 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Enjoy. Now, there's some of the some of the labels have kind of common themes. You know, it's like I was saying before, you know, the, the, the ones I also like, which are pretty vivid, uh, you know, the Biancas, you know, what is the, the thought behind that? They're all different kind of variations on, on, on the feather. How does that, how does that kind of come together? I, th- I think with, um, a lot of my, of, of uh, my imagery is, com- comes from dreams, uh, or, or daydreams or, um, sort of, um, vague memories or, or stuff like that, like things, things that like pop up from my, uh, my, like my personal, uh, unconscious. And I think it can be, it can be something, you know, just a word or something. And then, uh, that word appears in a dream and then it might take the shape of a feather or something. And then, you know, after creating, uh, an, uh something like that, or, or, or like the candle for Masarine, for example, maybe, maybe, uh, half a year later, I do understand you know, where it did come from. And it's not really, you know, it's not, not, it's not like a religious experience or anything, but it's just, it's just things that actually like pop up from my, uh, from my unconscious. And uh, I try to uh, cherish that and, and really uh, take advantage of those kind of visions. Um, so I have sketchbooks uh, filled with uh, ideas like that. And what I usually do is when Hanok, Tells me about an idea for a beer. I start thinking about ideas for names, and I start thinking about uh, what I can like pull out of my sketchbook that would suit that beer. And it, it usually doesn't have a lot to do with the type of beer or um, you know how it's made or the contents of the beer, but more like the feeling of it. So um, I try to sort of um, play around with whatever Henok has told me, and then like something pops up. So it's more, um, I don't know, it's some kind of uh, uh, visionary art somehow, uh, you know, more than anything else. So, so those, like, 
those labels, like those designs, are quite different from the approach I have when I make something like uh, Yellow Belly. I guess it comes from the same sort of, you know, it comes from the same mind, <laughs> so it comes from the same bucket, but it's, um, I guess it's filtered differently somehow. Yeah, I'm, I'm envious, especially, I mean, obviously your art compared to what I'm able to scrap together, but just people who have remember their dreams and remember them very vividly. I always, I'm always envious of that. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe I don't sleep deep enough or I sleep too deep, but I never remember my dreams. So when, mm-hmm. I, when, when someone says, oh, I made this and it was from a dream, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm getting screwed on both ends. I can't draw. And then I can't remember the dreams <laughs> to even draw in my head. But yeah, they're very, like I said, they're very vivid. And before you spoke about your specific color palette, there's definitely like, you know, they, yeah, they're very like electric and it's very, you know, you know and so I think that that's, the idea they're coming maybe from a dream or, you know, at least a kind of, a, you know, lucid state in your head, you know, where just kind of the ideas are coming and kind of flowing, which I, I think mm-hmm. that kind of, I think that reson- resonates or it, those color choices really bring that to, bring that to life. Mm. I, th- I also think um, the stuff that I do remember from, you know, visions or dreams and stuff like that is usually, some sort of um, some it has some sort of uh, symbolic quality. So um, you know, like, like uh, a candle or a feather, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A comb, you can be, you know, stuff like that. So okay, it's usually like one thing, and then I start playing around with that thing, you know, in my sketchbook, and it, you know, comes out somehow. And what I what I try to keep is that sort of dreamlike quality to you know like that. Um, uh, I want it to be a symbol, you know, something that that is uh, representing something. But I would like the I don't want to be too precise about what it represents. Um, so I try I try to create symbols or icons or um, uh, you know simple drawings that seem to say something, but without you know, without telling um, the viewer exactly what it is. And I think that, that um, gives them this sort of, you know, a little bit of a ghost-like quality or something. Um, yeah, At least that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's, yeah, that's one of the things I love, you know, uh, just art in general. So what, what I see is not what you see, and we're allowed to, there's not a right or wrong answer. We're both allowed to see that and take away from it what we will or what we, you know, allow ourselves to kind of get immersed in. So I think that's great. Now you, you've mentioned several times, uh, your sketchbook. So what is the kind of creative process? How, do, how does it go from, you know, your, your, the thought or the idea to getting on the label? You, do you, are you, yeah. How are you creating that? What's the mediums that you're using? Yeah. I, I constantly write ideas down like in my phone or, you know, pieces of paper that lie around or um, on my wall at home when I wake up or something. Uh, but and I try to keep sketchbooks, you know, in, in my, uh, in my bag at all time. Mm, and it, so, so, so I, I do make a lot of drawings that are really autonomous. That is, that is, you know, I, I make them for, you know, for their own sake in a way. Um, and then one, once I, um, when I'm, when it's time to design a label, I usually just like pull something out of one of those sketchbooks uh, because they're filled up with ideas of, with you know stuff that I want to work on. Uh, I, I as much as possible, I try to to um, 
only make stuff that I feel like doing or I have an urge to create. You know, I want to have fun when I work. I don't want to uh, make something because someone has told me to. And with Omnipoyo, I mean, I can work more or less autonomously. So, um, you know, I can do whatever I want to. Uh, so I take advantage of that. Um, and then it's just, you know, pen and paper. That's, that's it. And then um, I finish it up on the computer. So it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward, like um, drawings, um, scanning, coloring, and then it's done. So it's... Um, it's not a lot of magic involved in the actual like um, drawing process. It's all magic to me, my friend. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, another talking about kind of the, the themes. I definitely noticed the kind of mythology. You know, some of the the labels have you know different uh, gods, you know, Greek gods, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and. Mm -hmm. Nakin, whoever probably butchered that uh, uh, pronunciation, but you know, I think I've, I've actually noticed that also. Is that? I mean, I know I, I like to deep, when I get get some time to deep dive into mythology and different gods and goddesses and kind of the stories. I always find amazing. So I I mm. assume that's similar experience. But I just was I was just curious about that for for selfish reasons. I, I find like I said mythology very interesting. So I was just curious with that and the namings of some of the beers. Yeah, I think when we when we, uh, when we made our first beer, uh, it's, it was it's called Leon. It's a Belgian blonde, and it's, it's named after Henoch's uh, oldest kid, actually. So the the beer was born more or less at the same time when uh, Leon, the the child, was born. So there's like a, a there's a a child named named Leon, and there's a beer named Leon. And the second beer we made is called Massarin, and that's the name of my kid. So. Uh, and then we realized that if we're going to make more beer, we can't, you know, we would have to, uh, you know, have a, too many, it won't work, you know, we just have to replicate ourselves too much. So um, we we had we started thinking about other ways of naming our beers, and we didn't want something, we didn't want like names that were too funny, or, you know, uh, it's just, if if you look at look at the beers in a craft beer. Uh, craft beer shop and you go through the shelf, you will definitely notice that there's like a, a theme, right? You know, there's always these like funny names that have something to do with one of the ingredients of the beer or whatever. And it's, uh, it's, they're supposed to be a little bit stupid and funny. And we thought that was, I don't know, it didn't really appeal to us. So we started thinking about a more like some more, not necessarily serious route, but something that made more sense to us, you know, um, um, and, and I don't mind if it's you know a little bit pretentious because it's funny to you know if it pisses some people off. So, uh, so with Nebuchadnezzar, for example, one of our early beers, um, it was the, it was an imperial IPA and it was uh, one of the first beer. Oh, it was actually the first beer that we that we released in the U.S. as well. So we thought it was interesting to play around with the idea of you know something imperialistic. Um, yeah, you have the black and white version of the American flag on the label, and the name of the beer is Nebuchadnezzar, the you know the the Babylonian imperialist. Um, so it's it's like the name kind of adds something to the artwork, uh, and also you know if you know your mythology, you you know if you you, you read up on uh, on Babylon, uh, that would like add something to the artwork, and I. 
I think I think the the names are important for the beers, of course. And I think it's amazing that you can, you know, you have the the beverage itself, like you have the beer itself, and then you have the name and you have the artwork. And it's you know that's 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 quite a lot to work with. I think that's really interesting. Um, and, and and just like you, you know, I'm just interested in mythology. I think it's it's uh, super interesting. Um, um, you know, from from all over the world, and uh, you know, being from from Europe, of course, we were like force fed with all these like uh, um, Greek and Roman mythology when we were kids, uh, and Scandinavian, of course. Um, so we, you know, it's it's um, it's uh, it's a big bucket to uh, to find names in. Yeah, I think that especially with the how everything is, um, you know, every every part of life is explained by a god in you know, some of these cultures, and so it's amazing, you know, the, every facet of life, you know, from love to death to you know, good, bad, and the ugly is you know has has somebody who's responsible or pulling the strings, and so it's really, it's really it's mm-hmm. ama- it's amazing, and I think it's it, it's and just to see it, even the, the early artwork that was used to represent these folks and, you know, bring them to quote unquote life is, is really great too. the, you know, the ancient, ancient art and design, you know, with what they had. So mm. it's, yeah, it's great. I, I love, that was, those are a couple that stood out to me. Like I said, it's been a, it's been an enjoyable experience for me just going kind of through, you know, all of the different, you know, bottles and art that you've, you've put out for, you know, for Omnipolio. And I think that it's really, mm. It's. I like the fact that it just it continues to evolve, and I think that you know, speaking to you, learning about your process, and the fact that that you're kind of you're you're almost two separate. You and Hanaka are two separate, but one whole. You know that you have your areas of focus, and so I think that really makes it. Especially the fact that now he's in Ethiopia, and, you know, and you're in you're in Sweden, and so I think that that's what what your vision is and what you're doing as a brewery you know, to be this worldwide gypsy brewery you know it's just kind of you're you're living it and it's just kind of what i think it's what you intended right it's a kind of a, mm-hmm. that's the art that represents definitely. you mm-hmm, definitely I, th- I think it's um speaking of mythology i, th- I think uh one thing that i share with that that uh, i share with hanok is that we both have this idea of you know creating a story not necessarily a, a mythology as such but we want to create something um, that is you know that is somehow bigger than the sum of the different parts that omnipoyo is i mean um, we have people uh, consuming our products every day thinking about it like contacting us about it looking at the labels um, smelling the beer you know um, saying the names of the beer and stuff. I mean, it, it is something that is in constant creation and recreation and uh, mutation, you know. It's, it is something that is, uh, that is evolving. And, um, um, you know, p- people have all these different opinions about it. So I think it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be, to be able to work with right now. And, uh, and also the whole scene is, is in process of, uh, you know, it's in constant change, right? So it's a it's a very interesting environment to be working in. I think. I, well said. I just had to leave a pause there because I didn't want to step on your words. And I, yeah, I I really, I really, I really agree. And you're right. It's constantly changing. So there's new inspirations and new 
new messaging and new dreams and, you know, new avenues to approach, you know, with now him being in Ethiopia, there's probably new materials, you know, new ingredients, you know, new stories. And so I think that's exciting that, you know, to continually be pushing the envelope and, you know, it's, it's part of the, part of the foundation of the culture of the, of the brewery without having that, you know, mm. physical kind of massive space. And to be honest, I think that, I don't know if the, I don't know if on the would be what it is if it had that, you know, come here to our central location. I mean, obviously you have the, the brew pub, but you know, had this massive location that was just where everything was done. I think they would lose some of the, you know, some of the, the world or the uh, dynamic nature of it. Mm, definitely. I totally agree. I mean, it is, we're so much formed by the fact that we, uh, we've had to travel and, you know, um, find people to work with places to brew the beer, um, you know, to, um, like take constantly taking the next step and, uh, you know, just, uh, trying to make people understand why we want to make, uh, you know, weird, like silk screen printed bottle with like some color on it, or uh, a beer with a uh, um, with um, that is like a whole dessert, or um, you know, like packaging like uh, like gone or uh, yellow belly. You know, these are all unorthodox ways of making beer. And I think if we owned our own facility, if we had our own brewery. Uh, I'm not sure we would, uh, you know, take the same route. We probably, you know, we, we would definitely uh, make other decisions. So Omnipoya is very much uh, shaped by the fact that we are, um, you know, working with other people constantly. That we are uh, gypsy brewers. And there's a bunch of um, really, really interesting uh, gypsy brewers around, like Mikeller Tual. Uh, Stillwater, Evil Twin, etc., etc. But we all work in different ways. Like none of us are exactly the same. Uh, we all have our own uh, vision. But also, you know, most of us are, are good friends as well and like help each other out. So, um, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, and I think that if you, you know, and any one of you, you know, traveled the world and you get to stay in a place for longer, you know, than just kind of the normal tourist trip, you really you assimilate to the local culture or you find some nuances that maybe change how you th see things, you know, obviously from a mm -hmm. brewing or an art perspective, you learn different techniques or, you know, you learn insight into different flavors. And so I, I think that it's almost like a, you know, when you keep your, your journal, but it's just like a world, you know, when you have your passport, you know, the, each of these breweries, brew, uh, beers, excuse me, is like your passport, right? And you go, okay, we're in this country and mm -hmm. we use this fruit, which you can't, get in this country exactly. or this. And so I think exactly. that, yeah. I think, yeah, that's really, it's, uh, it definitely, it's it stands on its own. And that's what I like too. I can, it's very obvious with the other one, the other gypsy brewers we talking before about the lighthearted nature and the, some of the labels collaborations with the other gypsy breweries is that, you know, there is that camaraderie, you know, it's kind of, you know, travel buddies, you know, and mm -hmm. so it's, you, you kind of see that. And I think that, it's kind of a, it's a nice, it's a nice network to, to be a part of. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to ask, but I was, you, you mentioned gone. I, I'm just curious about that label. I mean, I think that's, that's a very interesting one also with the, the dollar bill on there. Is there, is there a story with that one? 
I mean, um, yes, I think at the time, I think we made that for, as a sort of three-year anniversary beer, uh, and the idea was to make something. Um, we wanted to make something that, that it, we, we didn't. I don't remember how many bottles we made, but it was uh, it wasn't like it wasn't like a huge batch, uh, and we wanted to make a very hoppy beer and something that we wanted people to drink like within a week or so, like something. Uh, I mean. Nowadays, you have tons of beers like that, but at the time, like four years back or something, there weren't a lot of uh, super hoppy beers um, uh, that, were, that you were supposed to consume within a week uh, up in Sweden. So when we re- released that, people were kind of, you know, people were curious um, about, about um, like our ideas about it. And so just to make it very clear, we... we um, we named it Gone, you know, because we wanted to be gone as soon as possible. Um, and it, it was just, you know, we are, we're constantly making beers that are, are challenging uh, the best that's out there. And to us, you know, the U.S. has always been, the, you know, the greatest beer country. It's That's what we look up to. That's what inspired us. And that's why we started making beers, because, you know, we couldn't get the, the stuff from the U.S. that we wanted to drink. Uh, that's why Hanok started making beer in the first place. That's why he started homebrewing. So um, our idea was to make something that was like commenting on like the how the scene is changing and opening up and how it's you know becoming more global and how uh, you know maybe soon like the best beers won't be coming out of the U.S. necessarily. So that that was the idea of um, putting that uh, one dollar bill on it. And also, I mean. American politics has always affected what's going on in the rest of the world, right? And um, at the time, there was this thing with um, uh, Obamacare. And I remember the Republicans were were uh, against it. Um, like that whole struggle in the U.S. affected the rest of the world's economy so much in a negative way, um, you know, in, in, in a quite a ridiculous way. And, and that was a little bit, uh, I, I was provoked by that. And I thought it'd be interesting to make something uh, with a dollar bill as some sort of comment on that as well. So, it, you know, it's like, it has a few, um, you know, I was inspired in a few different ways to use that use a dollar bill. And then I just added that the G to the one on the dollar bill, and then I glued them onto the bottles. Well, yeah, I think that unfortunately that discussion on Obamacare is still going on, and it's still, uh, yeah, I think it's still a, a pain, yeah, point, yeah. Pain, <laughs> pain, pain point here in the country. I wish that you know we could say, you remember that point in time when you, know, you made that, and it, you know things have have changed for the better. But uh, you know, I think it's still, you know, given the current climate, you know. I, but I, what I also think in. I don't know. Like I said, if you don't leave the country, I don't think you realize it as much. But it, you know, the Euro, people have their own microcosms in, in this country. But to realize that the impact that mm-hmm. decisions that are made here, kind of the the, you know, the butterfly effect, and how that does ripple through the through the world. And so, I think it's a it can be a beautiful thing when you know, obviously. But I think at times it definitely has a, a negative connotation. You can see. And again, it's not a political podcast, but I think it's important to have these discussions is that, you know, you realize that there are reasons why at times that our country for all its greatness is not always um, seen in, in the most positive way for how we are, can, can be a little uh, self-centered, I guess, to, to put it mildly. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, 
to us, it's it's not it's not being like anti-American or, or anything. Is it? But our focus, you know, working with beer in a modern way, of course, is centered around the U.S. I mean, because that's where the you know the modern beer styles come from. That's where like that's like the birthplace of the types of beer that we are making. And we're more we've been always been more influenced by the U.S. than uh, Belgian or uh, German or British beer, for example. Although we love those you know beers from those countries. It's like the, it's the um, it's the modern American beer, so it's always been the most uh, intriguing to us and mo- most inspiring to us. So that's that's probably all. That's probably one of the reasons why we have made a few beers that do comment on issues that are going on in the U.S. And also, I mean, you, uh, you everything that goes on in the U.S. is affecting the rest of the world. So it's uh, you know. It, it makes sense uh, to comment on it, I think. Like I said before, and I'll you know, say it again, I, I welcome the conversation. I do hope that maybe we can have one of those conversations in, you know, in 3D, you know, over, you know, yeah. uh, a few, a few little pieces of art and cold ones in person. Cause I, I do think it's important. And especially, you know, I had some, uh, time where I got to live in the Netherlands. And so it was just amazing to me to, have lunch with a diverse group of people from you know all over the world, and one of the points that I always remember is that they were um, talking about you know French politics, and I just kind of was sitting there, and I and I, and I was pretty closed minded. I didn't really know uh, much about anything, and so I remember they were just talking about Sarkozy, and I just kind of was laughing because everybody was laughing. And they looked at me and said, do you know who we're talking about? And I was just like, uh, no. And they were just like, uh, and like that to me was like, they knew all of each other's leaders, their in, intimate like details of you know, politics and elections. And so while I'm still wouldn't say I'm versed, I, you know, you, you kind of, when you have an experience like that, you've learned that like, oh, they know and they mm-hmm. use the other opinions from around the world to shape their worldviews. And my world was kind of very you know limited. So it was, it was a, it was a positive mm-hmm. It was embarrassing, but it was a positive and something that, you know, I still talk to those people and we still are able to, you know, mm. draw laughs out of it. So, I, yeah, I think it's important. So I, I definitely, um, the commentary is not lost on me. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I also don't want to be, when people say, uh, like, keep politics out of beer, you know, it doesn't make sense to me, like I said, because I think, I, think I you know, it's a personal expression and, uh, I think one of the main ingredients is in in Omnipoyo is uh, you know my ideas and Hanok's ideas. It, it, it has to be personal because if it's not, it's not that interesting. Uh, you know, then it can be just any any beer. And there's you know there's all these other brands out there. So um, for the consumer, like they don't have to worry about it. I mean, there's always like the next brand out there if they don't like, you know, if they don't like one, there's like a hundred, a hundred other out there. Yeah. But I think it's, um, I also don't want it to be, you know, I also don't want it to be uh, all about politics because I want it to be, uh, to feel personal and just like any other, you know, any person, uh, I want it to consist of uh, different elements of different parts, you know, and I want it to be, to be complex. And I think one of the, um, it, it's quite a luxury to be working with a brand that is uh, continuously making new beers. It's kind of like working with a magazine or something, you know, there's always like a next issue. There's like a new, product coming out 
uh, and I can keep on, um, you know, it's a route, and I can keep on changing, changing it, you know. Uh, I can um, play around with the world, and it is changing like one bottle or one can after the other. Um, and that continuous work uh, is really interesting to me. I mean, that's that's very different from doing a regular type of art show or working um, on you know graphic design projects. So uh, yeah, Omnipoyo is a super inspiring type of format. And I would just, and I would, with that, you know, I think that some of the best conversations with people are had over a good beer. You know, what, I think that, you know, you go to your local pub or, you know, at an outing and you sit down, you have, you know, you have a drink and you, and you talk things. And so I think that, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's important. I, I think that more folks who, I, I'm not always for the, let's talk and both have the same opinions and kind of pat each other on the back that while wow, we're both the same, you know, open-minded individuals. You know, I, I find myself always drawn towards those individuals who are willing to have the conversations that maybe aren't always the easiest because, you know, that's how, that's how change happens, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of the, it's the, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a little cracks that, you know, kind of open things and I might learn something and they might learn something and, and you know, we, you know, then I think that's mm-hmm. how you make the, the world a better place, but that, that's so. I, I think that's a great. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up. And I, I, one one question I do have for you that's kind of it's uh, one of my my favorites. In a previous life, I did some um, radio, you know, disc jockey work, and so I always like to ask when when you are creating, do you have certain artists or music that you're listening to? You know, or are you in a ambiance kind of you know quiet kind of person? What's the studio situation like, Carl? Uh, I have a quite a nice set up right now because I have a, a studio that I shared with a, a few other artists, uh, two other um, illustrators and a photographer and I've had that studio for maybe five, ten years, something like that. Uh, it's quite a big space and we always listen to music uh, loud <laughs> and uh, you know we, we, we did a transition like a, a bunch of years back from yeah, from like the CDs to MP3s to Spotify or whatever. But we keep on maybe you know maybe once an hour or something. Someone else is sort of in charge, like deciding what we're going to listen to. So it's kind of um, it's a, a sort of uh, DJ situation that is constantly going on in the studio, which is nice. So we get to listen to um, a lot of different types of music, um, and it's basically anything. You know, we listen to a lot of psychedelic rock. We also listen to a lot of, you know, rap that came out like one day ago. So it can be it can be anything basically. Um, but we, but music is definitely important um, here in the studio. But I also have uh, about about a year ago we got a small cabin in the south side of of Stockholm uh, for 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 Omnipoyo. So that's where. Um, so I can also go to that cabin and do some work where that's where my assistant work and some other people that are involved in the Omnipoyo uh, in, in Omnipoyo business. So I actually have two sort of studio spaces where I can work. Um, so sometimes I feel more like, like hanging out in, the, in that uh, little weirdo cabin, <laughs> sometimes in like a proper studio with, uh, with other artists. Um, the best of both worlds, it seems like, right? Yeah, the, the serenity of the yeah, cabin yeah. and then the kind of the chaos of the of the studio with the other artists. 
it's it is it is perfect and it's somewhere in between it's like my kid's school so i have to you know i also have to go there in the afternoon to pick him up and stuff so it's, yeah it's good and stockholm is like a, you know it's it's a small city it's about um a million a million and a half people living here uh it's it's quite a compact so um i get to see most uh, most part of the parts of the city every day which is really nice yeah, I'm already. Uh, as soon as we got the phone here, I'm gonna start uh, looking looking how much uh, it would cost to get out there. So definitely, uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, I'll keep you updated. Now, yeah, you should. yeah. Oh no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm very serious. We we'll, might not be this year, but we'll we'll plan it properly. And I definitely. Yeah, I remember you know in the car with the folks driving across the country as a kid. So anytime we had a chance to go anywhere, it was always a an experience and an adventure. And I think that, that especially now, as the kids are now, they can remember it and not have to lug them around and. Uh, you know, strollers and stuff like that. They, uh, the less things I have to carry on a plane, the better. So that'd be good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now, which, now you mentioned some, what do you have any artists specifically? Like when we, we pulled up the, the office playlist, you know, what, what would be on there? Cause what we like to, we, we put together the different, um, artists that the artists listen to. Sorry about that. And then when we make a Spotify playlist for each, um, 12 pack of artists we have, and we try to, when we do the production, we'll you know we'll include some of those artists into the you know what we talk over that in the background. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think what would be interesting would probably be uh, this is one a, a Swedish rap group uh, that was used to be like very underground, like they released CDs. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think they still release CDs. Like whoever does that anymore, but. Um, I, and me and Hammock have always been fans of these guys. And then we actually um, we actually made a tribute beer to one of the rappers a few years back. Uh, and then we actually ended up making a second like um, a second version of the, of that beer. So he has two beers uh, created for him. Uh, and he's, he, the rapper's name is Unda. Um, and he uh, he actually passed away uh, about a year ago in cancer, which was super super sad. Um, but I'm really happy that we had uh, you know those two beers to remember him by. And, and of course, his music, his amazing uh, legacy. So I think um, his music or his band's music should should definitely be on there. Should I send you a Should I send you a list? Yeah, oh, that that would be more than I could ask for. But yeah, I'm all, I mean, like I said, I'm always, you know, we have music. No, every, yeah, we have, right. yeah, we have music all over the house. You know, it's really important to us, and so you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm constantly making playlists. So, all right. Yeah, and I, the I fact you, yeah, the fact that you're yeah in another country. I mean, that's something. Yeah, I remember, like I said, I was when I was recently. Uh, I got to go back to Amsterdam and Rotterdam, and I just remember being in a you know at a pub having a drink and the the bartender had, you know, had his playlist and I was like, what is this? And it was just kind of like hit after hit that I loved. I didn't, I never heard any of it. And he said, do you have Spotify? Yeah, and he said, I, I said, yeah, I said, yeah. He goes, all right, come here, give me your phone. So now I have this amazing playlist from a, a random bartender in, you know, in Rotterdam that I met on a, you know, Tuesday afternoon that I, you know, I love, you know, so it's just like, I don't know, music always does something with me in my brain and just takes me back to wherever I was when I first, okay, I don't always have the best memory with everything, but I can, if a song comes on, I can usually, you know, visually kind of escape to where that first kind of connected with me. So it's really important to us. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm totally like that. 
All right. Well, I, again, Carl, thank you so much. Um, like I said, I hope that we have the opportunity to to meet maybe next time you're in the states. It's, it's actually exciting um, in Connecticut. I, I've yet, I have not to I haven't been yet, but there's a twelve I think twelve percent imports. It's uh it's not too far from me, uh, and they they're they've been carrying some of your stuff there. You know, doing uh, can releases there. So that's a kind of a nice little local uh, local piece for us. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that perfect yeah we're just amazed that you know this is, is gone as well you know we've had some you know we just released episode th- we'll release episode 30 on on friday and so we have another probably dozen plus artists that we're you know coordinating with for our next 12 pack and so it's been yeah it's been exciting so i, I do appreciate you making the time today yeah i appreciate you um being interested in uh, the stuff that we do, I think it's awesome. The Thirty-one episodes. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. Friday will be thirty, and yeah, we recorded. I think thirty-five, uh, thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah, we actually wow. spoke. Yeah, and uh, Kevin Simo, we spoke to him. Uh, we worked with Trillium. He spoke very, uh, very highly of you, your collaboration together, which I thought was awesome. And so, yeah, it's been really cool mm-hmm. to, to see this you know yeah. six, six points of separation with everybody so it's really it's really yeah it's kind of <laughs> like i say every week yeah. like i say every week whatever episode it is i say i say that's 29 more episodes than i thought we'd have because i just i just yeah. I, I just needed you know like i said and i tried we trying to get too political when we we're you know talking during the interview but it's just it's just a kind of a it's a crazy period here in this country and it's not the yeah. it's yeah. not it's not something that i'm really you know, proud of as an American, but it's so, it's just kind of, I needed to, I, I always have a lot of ideas. And so I just realized I needed to put something kind of positive out there and try to, you know, right. do my part and, you know, lead by example with my children, you know, that if you have, if you have things that aren't, you know, textbook, you know, uh, you know, business ideas or just things that bring you happiness, it's not always about the financial reward, you know, you can find happiness in other places. And so that's kind of, mm-hmm. I just said, you know, if I, I, this might not go anywhere, folks may tell me to, you know, to bug off, but you know, everyone's been kind of really, really receptive to it. And I just, I'm going to keep going until, you know, we'll see what happens. But I just think I, it makes me feel, you know, artists are being recognized and I think there's stories to be told. And I think that, you know, especially now that we're getting a little more uh, worldwide, I think it's important to introduce folks to different ideas from around the world. Yeah. But as, I think, I mean, you're doing this in an interesting time for, for craft beer and craft beer, graphics or whatever you call it as well i mean because it went from i mean at least at least you know through my eyes it went from being almost like non-existent it was very fancy or you know there were a few like ad agencies making some you know good looking stuff but just super bland and boring right this like today we have like a variety of expressions you have artists like proper you know quote unquote proper artists making um beer label designs you have um uh like people playing around with printing techniques playing around with ideas and you know uh you know just even like good names for beers <laughs> like you have like yeah you just have a, a larger variety of expressions nowadays and I, th- I think that is uh really inspiring and interesting and it's definitely going in the you know, in in a good direction, I think. Uh, I mean, it, you, it's you can't even, you can't compare it even to what was going on like three years ago, right? Right. Yeah, that's where, that's kind of where it was. It was the idea that like I know I've been in the store and I bought beer because I thought it looked incredible, and unfortunately, yeah. it hasn't always tasted as good as it looks. And so we try to be beer agnostic. So it is coincidental that mm. I, I do enjoy your beer, 
but the underlying is trying to, you know, I can't, you know, the hope is that the, the beer is as good as the art, but, uh, in, in some of this, in some of the situations, folks, I think are taken aback by that. And you can see how they, when they answer, they try to answer in a way that's talking about the beer, the brewery. And, mm-hmm. you know, we really try to steer that away. You know, I think in your situation is unique because of the unique, uh, dynamic of Omnipolio. And so that was, that's really the, the gypsy and the, you know, the, the, mm. the, the kind of the yin and yang of, you know, you and Hanak. So I think it works well, but some folks are trying to talk to me about hops and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm like, that's not, I'm not really, right, interested. No, no, no. I'm not really interested in that. I, I can, but I, I can totally see that because I mean, a lot of people do work sort of for people, you know, a lot of designers are so used to working for people that they, you know, they forget that the best thing is to work with people. You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, I want to do, I want to do things, you know, in, in a personal way, I want to work autonomously. I want to, you know, create the, the ideas and, and uh, realize the ideas that I think are the best ones. But then I also want to do this together with, um, together with Hammock or together with other people. I love collaborating with people. I love working with people. I'm just not very keen on working for people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a certain difference. Um, and I think it shows um, too. I, like think, I, 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 I think it shows too. I mean, I think, yeah, I think... Cl- that's one of the things I always love is the the collaboration aspect of it, and I think that's actually that could be a whole other you know d- discussion or blog or whatever. But just kind of the that's like the, the one of the newest trends, which I think is amazing, is the collaboration aspect of it. And I think that I think that uh, brewers and breweries you know have, you know are humble, and I think that they you, you just kind of you kind of see it. And I think socials allow people to have kind of a snapshot into that world, and I think it's been really great just to kind mm-hmm. of see that. I mean, beer and everything that goes into it is really, you know, it's really technical at times. But I mean, it's these folks who have a genuine like of each other, and they're they're trying to push each other and trying to experiment, you know, and see where it goes. Mm. And be, I think, yeah, and, and it's and it's people that like, you know, in in, a, in most cases, hopefully, at least you know, at least in my experience, it's people that like doing what they do. It's like people that actually enjoy in beer or, or enjoy making labels for beer or i mean i mean it might sound that obvious but that's that's one super important part of this culture i mean one of the reasons why people are um humble and nice and friendly and cool is that they actually enjoy working (laughs) yeah and i think it's important i think it's because you're right. I think it's creating a, a literal community. It's kind of a culture and a way that, you know, to be. Obviously, we all need to keep our lights on. You want to, you know, put food on the table and take care of your children. But, I mean, I, I think that you want to, you know, I think the goal in life is to wake up and be happy to go to work. You know, I, I, my day job is pretty good. I, I really like it. I don't have anything. I wouldn't say anything negative about it. But it's not mm-hmm. It's not fulfilling me um, kind of, you know, my creative, my internal side. I, I like my colleagues. I like my boss. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy. It's mm-hmm. given me the opportunity to even do this. Right. And so I, I'm, I'm blessed in that regards. And I think that, mm. but I think that you see that you see that these folks are, that they genuinely want to help each other. They genuinely want to learn. And yeah. then when they get together and they can kind of cut loose, you know, it's nice too. It's like, you know, it's like a kind of a potluck or a, you know, a family, you know, family get together and it's, it's genuine. And yeah, so I yeah, think, I, I think it's, I I think it's agree. great. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, um, and, you know, if I would be, I would definitely be doing the same things that I, that I do right now, you know, even if no one would pay me for it. And I know it, that's, I mean, 
Kennock started brewing in his kitchen for the, for the same reason. He, he wasn't going to brew for, for anyone else. He was like brewing for, for himself. He wanted to drink, you know, beers that taste like, uh, you know, whatever he dreamt up, right? So he started making beers and then he realized, you know, there's not a lot of fun beers out there. So I thought, you know, I should, I should actually make my beers commercial. Like I should uh, put them, uh, you know, put them out there uh, and have other people drink them. So, um, I mean, if he wasn't selling his beers, if there wasn't, if there were no Omnipolo, he would definitely still be making beers in his kitchen. Well, I, when you when you talk to him later today or tomorrow, just you know, thank him for me. I, I I'm glad that you know he did do that because they're they're something special. And so yeah, I think I'm going to try to make sure I can get there on Saturday. And uh, yeah, and if you guys are coming over, I was more than happy to, to thank you in person. I I really enjoy what you're doing, and I, I like I said, I'm, I'm I really welcome conversations like this, and I think that you know to to make time today and the fact that we're on two you know other sides of the world right now and we're like-minded individuals, you know, gives me, gives me some, yeah. you know, makes me feel, feel like the, the things are, you know, aren't as crazy as they seem right now. But they, but they are pretty fucking, Carl, they are pretty fucking crazy, Carl. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a, it's a fucking crazy time to be here in America. Yeah, it, 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 it is, it is weird. Is that, you know, the, the scary thing is that it's, um, I mean, it might not be as obvious all the time, but it's uh, stuff that's going on in Europe here. Um, it's not a not very nice either. So um, I don't know. I, th- I mean, I, I mean that's 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 another reason why we. No, that's that's another reason why we have to keep making you know interesting and uh, positive things. I don't think, I don't think anyone has a responsibility. You know, there there is not a politician to make political statements or anything. Uh, I don't feel that feel that I have a responsibility. It just like comes, you know. I just can't avoid it with you know in my line of work. But I definitely agree with you that uh, making pro- projects, you know, that are personal uh, and expressing yourself, um, you know, making your voice heard is more important now than it's ever been before. You know, anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's, you know, it's universal, and I think that that's that's where I you know I, I wanted to. When you see things, when you see the, the beauty and innocence of your children and the fact that they don't have any misconceptions or any preconceived notions of what can be or what people are, and then mm. like to have to be afraid that I shouldn't want to watch the news in front of them because there might be things that like, you know, will kind of shatter that is it, hard. It's a really, it's mm-hmm. a hard, it's a hard kind of balance to find because you don't want to keep them in the closet, but you also, yeah, that, that, that purity kind of... It, I tell the story a lot when we first took the kids to New York City and I never really – I go there a lot for work and I just kind of get in there, hit Grand Central and beeline it to the, you know, the meetings and kind of go home. And to see the beauty in his eyes when he saw the, you know, the atrium and all the, you know, the, the vest and all the people there was something that now every time I go, I, I, I'm always in a hurry still. But, you know, I, I, I might take an extra minute to just kind of slow walk it and – look around and like I said, like the music go back to that point in my point in time and I can, and just kind of brings me a, a sense of happiness. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. We, I think we can do this all day, but I think we both agree that with, uh, you know, in person with a couple of cold ones would be, would be great. And I look forward to, you know, thanking you and you know, shaking your hand because I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you, man. Excellent. Excellent. Now, really yeah. Was, um, pleasure talking to you. No, pleasure was all pleasure was mine as well. Oh.
folks the call granted interview right here on the 16 ounce canvas the art of craft beer podcast so definitely let us know what you think feel free to shoot us an email aj at 16 oz canvas.com we'd love to hear from you maybe you're gonna tell us hey aj fuck off or aj we loved it or eh, whatever it is we love to hear from you we know that We dipped our toes into the political arena, social, and we're proud. It was really important. It was natural. It wasn't forced. Like I said, and I've said, and I've said, and I've said, and I've said. We don't know where the interviews are going to go. We think they're very natural and organic. I'd like to see what comes up. I think I'd be doing a disservice to, you know, Carl and Hennock and Andy Pollo if we didn't talk about some of the messaging or you know, underlying you know, social commentary that was going on. If we're going to interview Carl, I think that's what you, you need to do. And I was really proud to have those discussions. And I think that it was really, it was really a positive and a good step forward for what we're doing here. I can't interpret art. I'm not going to you know, talk to you about different types of brushstrokes. Like I always say, I know what I like. I know what moves me. I know what gets me thinking or just experiencing or feeling something sensory. And that's what on the polio does to me. So there you go. And hopefully you you feel the same way. You can check out our work at 160ZCanvas on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Check out Carl and on the polio at Carl with a K, Grandin on Instagram. You can also check out the dot com, callgrandin.com. Grandin is the proper way to say it. You can go there. I think there's some some merch you can get on the shop and then it's Omnipolio O-M-N-I-P-O-L-L-O dot com and you find those also on the Instagram so this weekend is the birthday we'd love to hear from you like, share, retweet, tell a friend leave a cool review give us some feedback on the episode hopefully it gave some insight into things we're really proud of the little preview we put up of the yellow belly on Instagram we're not artists, but we're trying really hard to put something creative and new out there, make a positive impact. So sit back, relax, hold that beer in your hand just a second longer, look at it, maybe it'll make you think, and you realize that a lot of heart, a lot of effort, a lot of thought went into that, and so many people were involved in that. And so our job is to introduce you to some of those people each week. So until next week, we thank you. The music featured here is you know, picked or shared by Carl. He actually hooked us up with a pretty kick-ass uh, playlist, the Grandine soundtrack. So we'll uh, we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll share that for you. But we're here, uh, Dungeon uh, from the album Alberto Balsam, and it is Aquarium Drunkard's Langley Obsession. We also heard previously Collective uh, Hills is the artist. Uh, from the album Freed, Collective with a K. And then we also had for you The Sky Was Pink from Nathan Fake in Drowning in a Sea of Love. Right here at the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Until next week, my friends, thank you, thank you, and thank you. <laughs>